it was just such an evolution. And I think that's like something that as an entrepreneur, I wish I heard more of because at times you just feel like you're failing because just where you started is so different from where you might end up, right? And then that that's why like a lot of the time, my biggest advice to founders is to like really just always keep your mission in mind. And if you're working towards that, then the, the what doesn't always have to remain the same. Hi, I'm Sanira and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a nine figure business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit a million in revenue. And I'm on a mission to change that because we should all feel empowered enough to run our lives like we're the CEO. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way. Now I'm sharing it all with you so that you can join us as we discuss the mindset, money, and marketing secrets of the women who have bet big on unconventional paths to their version of success. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. If you are a female founder ready to hit that next level in scaling your business, you need to come to the CEO School experience. Over four days, we'll cover everything you need to gain clarity around your next steps on going from entrepreneur to CEO. I'll be pulling back the curtain and sharing all of the juicy details of what it takes to actually go from entrepreneur to CEO. We're going to be talking about systems, scaling, playbooks, how I run meetings, how to hire, how to fire, how to have the right morning routine, and how to actually have the right tools and processes in your business so that you're working on the business and not in your business. Ready to sit at our table? Grab your free ticket in the link in the description. I will see you there. May 16th until the 20th. It's going to be one hour a day, jam-packed of value. If you've been to any of my live experiences before, you know that I bring all the juices. Make sure you complete the registration because we'll be sending out materials, worksheets, playbooks. And so you don't want to miss getting all of this incredible, incredible material for your business so that you can actually go from entrepreneur to CEO and hit scale on your business and have the business of your dreams, making the right money with the right time, with the right resources for you. I cannot wait to see you at the CEO school experience. I'll be your host for the entire experience. It's going to be epic. I'll see you there. Link is in the show notes. Hi, I'm Sanira Madani and welcome to CEO School. Today's guest is a law student turned CEO and health advocate. Taryn Gatrora is the CEO and co-founder of Bloom, a self-care and skincare startup that creates safe and effective products while bashing taboos and stigmas. Her product is now in Sephora and Ulta and everywhere else. Taryn and her sister Bunny are passionate for supporting the next generation of informed, thriving, and confident young women while destigmatizing periods and acne. Taryn is also a Forbes 30 under 30 recipient and has been featured everywhere from entrepreneur to fast company and more. And I'm so excited to welcome another fellow Brown Girl boss to the table here at CEO School. Taryn, welcome to the show. Hi, Sanira. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat, even just like the few minutes before this, getting to know you. I'm super excited to dive deeper into everything. And I'm just like, yeah, really blown away by all that you've built. And thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I am just so just getting to know you right now. And I was like, stop, stop, stop. I'm like, I need to save this for the show because it was so juicy and so good. 
Taryn, I would love for the for you to tell the audience what Bloom is, how you founded this company, and just that journey of going from creation to now in the hands of Sephora and Ulta. Yeah. So for us, it was definitely not a linear road and the company has evolved so much just from, you know, the initial version of it to what it is today, which we can talk about, but what's never changed is our mission. And our mission from day one has been to change the stat that 60% of women can pinpoint that their self-esteem plummets as they go through puberty. And that's obviously an upsetting statistic. It's also relatable. The ages that most girls are dropping out of STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, and math, and also sports are nine and 12, like between the ages of nine to 12. And like hearing that stat was very striking to me. And I think for me, I thought a lot of it was due to the fact that society puts a lot of stigma on you during that time period. And you're also shamed for things that are so normal, which then leads you to not be able to focus as much as you would have been on things like math or, you know, for me, like I used to go to kickboxing and I had a white uniform. And as soon as I got my period, I became like so much more self-conscious. And so I just think for me growing up, I felt like brands were really adding to that and just making it worse. Like you only see perfect skin in a lot of those legacy skincare commercials and even like the period ones. And often you're made to buy these products out of like fear and shame. And so we wanted to create a brand that would just completely change that narrative and create education and community and also products that you could trust would be effective and clean. And you didn't have to worry about the ingredients being bad for you. And that was also a very big thing with a lot of the legacy brands, especially in the period care space. So that's why we started Bloom. And now we make products in body care, period care, and skincare. That's incredible. And I love that you talked about like all the way from puberty, like, and it's so relatable. I remember going through just like, we all remember when we got our period, like where we were, how it happened. And it is like, you're not taught. And especially like in, you know, I grew up in a Pakistani culture. It's not something that we talked about until like it happened. Like I felt like I wasn't ready for when I actually got my period and I knew about it. And my mom knew that I knew about it, but we never actually ever had the talk. Like, I still don't think that I've ever, my parents ever sat me down to ever have the birds and the bees conversation. It was just like, Oh, no, no kind of thing. And you're learning information from other kids and from, you know, other, you know, from non not sources that you should be learning about, like about your period and your sex. And like, they did feel very shameful. I will say like, as like a young girl, like I remember just like getting my period, like knowing that I I think I had gotten it ran running to the restroom and then being like, okay, I got to go to the nurse and call my mom and then like leaving school and, and just all the things that came with it. Right. Like that next chapter of, and I do remember, I specifically remember like I, like became so hairy. Like I literally was like so hairy as like, yes. Like I had hair coming like literally everywhere. I had hair on the side of my face. Like it was just like so much, like I was not prepared. And I felt so, I definitely was not confident and very, very conscious. And uh, I love that you talk about that because we're not talking about that enough. Yeah. And it's crazy how much of an effect it has. Like I'm almost, I'm 30. I was gonna say I'm almost 30, but for me, like all, a lot of my twenties were undoing that damage to my self-esteem, like from the acne that I had. And then like, even long after that acne was gone, I had scarring and it just, the way you're kind of made to feel, I, I remember trying all these different products from the drugstore and they just made my skin peel and scar and they bleached my pillowcase. And so, you know, 
I feel like that experience, it does, it shouldn't be that way. There's a healthier way to have that experience. And so at bloom, we always show real skin. We never Photoshop anything. We use like very diverse models and, you know, that's reflective of like what our company is from the inside and out. It's not just like something we do for Instagram. Right. And so that's what I think we're seeing more and more of now from a lot of brands, which I think is so nice because people are going to grow up with a healthier relationship to their bodies changing. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I I would hope, right. For my girls as well is to see, you know, see women of all shapes and sizes and colors and just natural women, right. Not the supermodels that were, that, that were, that we're never going to achieve that level of, of status, but we put on the pedestal as beauty. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely unfortunate, but it is amazing to see the conversation take place today to see more brands becoming more and more aware. Mm -hmm. Tell me, take me back to, I mean, now we're here. Now your brand is, you know, just it's blooming, right? It's, it's, it's literally so incredible. And you have all of the success now. So you've got the media success. Your product is in all of the right places that it needs to be. I'm sure it wasn't easy. It didn't happen overnight. So could you walk us through kind of like that, that business journey and what was going on from like the starting of like the first product and the prototype to where yeah. it is today? Yeah, I think, um, and and at some point I would love to hear yours. I've heard some of it on like podcasts and it's so cool to hear, but for us, it was like very not linear. Like I was saying, like, it was just such an evolution. And I think that's like something that as an entrepreneur, I wish I heard more of because at times you just feel like you're failing because just where you started is so different from where you might end up. Right. And then that, that's why like a lot of the time, my biggest advice to founders is to like, really just always keep your mission in mind. And if you're working towards that, then the, the, what doesn't always have to remain the same, because that's what I learned. But for us, we actually started in the period care space. So when I was in law school, I was doing my uh, master's thesis on how a lot of girls overseas were actually missing up to 25% of their education because again, due to their period and a lack of access to menstrual hygiene. So my whole kind of thesis was around menstrual hygiene and, you know, the human rights aspect of it, because it is, it's a really big conversation around dignity and human rights. And the fact that girls were missing you know, a quarter of their education meant that they wouldn't go on to post-secondary or they were kind of forced into early marriage and things like that. And this is really common in a lot of countries. And so started learning about that. And as I was learning about that, I was just like also reading about North America And then some information started to kind of come up in a lot of the papers I was reading about the ingredients in period care products here, even in North America, the lack of transparency. And this is a few years ago, it's gotten a lot better, but there, you know, were questions around like if some of the the ingredients or processes for tampons were actually harmful to our bodies, stuff like that. So then it got me kind of thinking like, Hey, it's so difficult to find organic period products in North America. And what if I business where I could sell those in Canada at the time, just Canada to my friends and family, but also have a giving back component to organizations that were helping girls go back to school overseas. So that's actually what I created while I was in law school. And my sister came on board with me and we basically did a subscription. And at the time it was just organic period products, but we were creating education and content and stuff around like confidence, self-esteem, reproductive health. And so we started to get a lot of parents emailing us and sending us like long letters of how this is the first time their daughter was talking about her period with pride. Like she was excited to open up the box. Like we made it very fun and like well-designed and we had other wellness products in the box. So that was how we started. And this is part-time 
we were actually, we had spreadsheets trying to time the deliveries to people's periods, which was a nightmare. So we stopped doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. No, it wasn't a good idea. It was just like a logistical nightmare. And then, but this just shows you how much we didn't know what we were doing yeah. back then, right? And then you learn about shipping and, you know, like you just realize that that's actually not feasible and that's why no one does that. Right. So you can do things. There's a lot of things in your yeah. business that you start off with. And I can relate to that. There were really good ideas when we started. Yeah. But you can't scale it. And it's not that it's, and I'm sure, and there's probably going to be a way where there's an algorithm that we can create yeah. that can track with the fitness app to the shipping delivery. Yeah. But sometimes you feel like what is the actual, like what's necessary and what's not like what's the totally. nice app. Yeah. And as a business owner and as a CEO, you have mm-hmm. to be making those decisions to say what is important to scale my company forward versus yeah. trying to be everything to everyone. So true. Yeah. And, and it actually, over time we learned, it wasn't even that important to our customer. Like she was happy just receiving it on the first or the 15th of the month and organizing it herself. Totally makes sense. And then through that is when we really started to see the gap around other products that people were asking us for. So an acne treatment that was gentle and didn't make their skin peel or scar a natural deodorant that was actually unscented and a couple of other products. And that's what formed our first line. So after we made the decision, decision that we saw a bigger opportunity to create a brand that could really help directly with this life stage and create our own products. And we spent about a year and a half working on that. And we launched in June of 2018. So that was the first version of bloom. And then even since then, we've seen a ton of evolution going from D to C to omni-channel. And like over that journey, we've seen the products that people are the most drawn to and gravitating towards are actually the the skincare and the acne care versus the period care is still, you know, there's a really loyal following to that. People absolutely love the products and they're great, but the results that our community seeing from the skincare and acne care is just absolutely insane. Like the reviews still blow me away like every day. And so then we started to get approached by large retailers who wanted to carry products. And so that's just been an an amazing evolution. And we've just tried to be like sponges throughout it so that we can grow along that journey. But right now we're only in Sephora, Canada. So we're not quite in the U S yet. And then we're also in Ulta in the U S and we're in urban outfitters and a few other retailers. That's just incredible. I mean, to go from, I love that you talked about pivoting your product it's so important for you to pay attention to what your customers, like as founders, sometimes we're like, oh, we know exactly what they need. And we get so fixated Mm -hmm. on just that, but we forget to actually listen to our customers and to say, what do they actually need? Right. Is this a component of it? What are the opportunities there to actually listen and to create products that serve our customer base? Because even your customer base evolves and grows as well. And so it's so important to keep your ear to the ground, especially when it comes to your customers, because that's where the innovation comes from. That's who sustains the product. And we have to listen. And I find so often that founders are like so focused on whether it's software companies, product companies, whatever else it is, they're like, here's this widget. And I know it's perfect because I made this widget and I had this problem, but they're not paying attention to that evolution of the customer or what's happening in the industry as well. So I love that you were like evolved, still stay true to your, your core mission, but have actually expanded your product line. And now you're like, Hey, I know the product that we're double downing on. Sounds like it's the acne product. Totally. And like for us, we still stay so close to our community for what they want to see next or more of or less of. And they're actually involved in every step of the formulation process. And we send out lab samples to like a hundred of our kind of closest customers, things like that. So I totally agree with you because you're right. Like even what our community wants can change. And so you can't just kind of 
keep going down your own path without kind of communicating with that community, because that's who you're building for. Yeah, no, I love this. I'd love to kind of ask you about the product creation side, right? So, so many of us have like, want to create, like create, how did you actually physically create your first prototype? Like, where do you go? So many entrepreneurs in the room listening, they might have an idea to create the product. What were your first steps in getting started? So when we first started, I remember like drawing out the line in like my notebooks. It was like acne treatment, cramp oil. Like I just drew little images of what I thought the first line should look like. And it's, it's like laughable at this point that like that, you know, but that's how it starts. I think like you just, you just don't know what you're doing. And looking back that being so naive is really nice. Cause I think if I had gone to business school, I might've overthought everything I was doing, but I was just like, this is what I think we need to do. And you go from there. Right. And we actually did a lot of surveying. I feel like in Bloom's history, it's really common. Is like, we were embarrassed that we were launching a business when we first started. We didn't want to tell anybody. I don't know why. Like I was, I was so young and I didn't no one around me where I lived. Like I went to kind of school in Canada where no one was doing this. Like now so many more people are. So we actually said it was a school project and I posted on Facebook and was like, I'm doing a school project and here's a survey. And that was like questions about the original box subscription of like, so that I could get data. And then I started doing farmer's markets and had little surveys there. And then when we started to create the new line, I had a thousand subscribers to survey. (laughs) So then I would just like phone them up. I would send them emails and I would send them a series of questions and people really liked answering them because they liked sharing what they needed. And so to this day, we, we like, you know, our highest lifetime value customer We'll send them surveys and then we'll send them gift cards or flowers. And it's so awesome. Like I get so excited to like see that data and to see what people are saying. And so for me, it's like very, very exciting to get that feedback. And I also think it's like the best starting point. Like if you're feeling stuck and you just don't know which direction to go, having that data just makes you at least like take a step in in the right direction, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. You're just asking your audience. You're going direct to the people that are going to use it. That's what you did. Okay. I have to rewind back and talk about that. You were embarrassed to start your business. (laughs) And you know what? I can relate to some of that, right? There's like a fear that takes place because it's like, what if you fail? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but I grew up in a household that was like, if it's not an A plus, like it's not even like it's, it has to be, you have to be the best in everything, (laughs) right? And I think it's an immigrant kid thing. And mm-hmm. I kind of want to like get into the psyche here, but I love doing that because yeah. I think it was probably, it's a fear thing that you go through of like not wanting to fail. And then what are your friends going to think if they're like, oh, she started something. And there is a lot of fear of like judgment, right? Of like what other people are there. And it's like, oh, it's a, this kind of product. It's a period product mm-hmm. or whatever the business is, but it's like putting yourself out there to have critics. And when you put yourself out there, that is what happens. Like that is very natural. So it's not like it's this fake fear. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. I I was with my, one of my best friends this last weekend, we were in Sarasota with our kids. Now we all have kids. It's really awesome. And he literally told me, and he's a very successful business person. Mm -hmm. And he literally goes, like he was like cheersing me at the pool or something, but he told me, and I was like, actually like, thanks for sharing that. It was just true. He's like, Sarah, yeah. I totally underestimated you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I will tell you when I launched this company for stacks, which was like in software, it was in payment. Pro- it was like, it was like the most unsexiest thing ever. 
And people were like, how the hell is she going to go do this? And it was like, all I was talking about and everybody was talking about it, but not in a positive way. Everyone's like, there was a judgment, even from people that loved and cared about me. Right. Um, so like, I don't think she's going to make it like she's in over her head. Wow. And I mean, I'm sharing, like, I think that that was, yeah. the, and I'm not saying all my friends, like, it's not like nobody, oh, totally. me, but, but it's I'm, also like people's own fears or if they haven't seen it, it's hard to imagine it. Right. That's it right there. And that's yeah. exactly it. That's what I was going to say is that it's yeah. because you don't see other people. That's why like, it's so important for us to be sharing these stories. This is why I do what I do. Yeah. school. It's so yeah. important to me because mm-hmm. I believe that when you see success and inspire success, when you see other yeah. people that look like you win, it makes you want to win. Like you're also winning. And so I think that there just wasn't representation and the right representation. And when yeah. you about MBA and like going, I didn't go to CEO school. You didn't go yeah. to CEO school. None of us had this perfect path to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so beautiful. And those are the stories that are not shared. The stale, mm-hmm. pale and male stories are the ones that are shared, you know, yeah. but this is what a CEO looks like. Taryn is the CEO of a highly successful consumer product. And she's in, she's like blowing up and is amazing. Taryn is a 30 year old woman who's excited about acne and periods, right? Like that CEO, that's a CEO. I love that. It's so true. Like now I'm really proud of like where we're at and what you said about, you know, your friend saying that to you, it's very powerful because, you know, he's recognizing his own bias that he might've had that we all have. Right. But it's so incredible. Cause like, look what you've built. And now you're able to like share those stories and not only be vulnerable, like sometimes I do get a little bit annoyed, which I love this about your podcast. Like you're asking me these powerful questions of like how I built the business, but I found like certain interviews being a woman of color, they only ask you about the hard times and the struggles, which I love to talk about. And I love to be vulnerable, but I I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but I almost feel like they focus on that. Like, you know what I mean? I hear you because I will say, as another brown woman of color, mm-hmm. sometimes we're like the check the box, right? Yeah. So it's also if they want, and it's not that it's not like people don't want to share the story, but that is the angle they want to share, like the the yeah. woman of color piece of it. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like that. Those are the questions of like what yeah. were the struggles, like what were the no's, and. Yeah funny, like you're, I appreciate you saying that, like the way that I'm interviewing is different. That makes me really proud because we're not all, and there are struggles and there are hardships and it's fucking hard being a woman in business, let alone a woman of color in business, just having a business is fucking hard. Right. And so we all go through those things. And I think that white women goes through those things and black women goes through those things and, and brown women go through those things. And it's just hard itself. Totally. But I think that, and I agree with you is what I'm saying that I totally agree with you, but women also, even the story, this narrative needs to shift that we're not yes. all struggling. Like there's yes. so much success. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And it's, it feels good to stand like in that power when, you know, you've worked really for everybody. Like we all deserve to, to feel that. And I think a lot of the time you feel like you need to like belittle your accomplishments or like talk about those things because of the lens that's still put on us. And of course we are at times still struggling because like you said, it's so hard, but we are also thriving. So I I love, love, love that. I love this. Tell me a little bit about where bloom is headed next. And like, how can like the audience here support you? Where do we find this? Like, tell us a little bit more about like what's next in this journey. 
So our big focus for this year is retail growth. And so we just launched on the next big thing wall at Sephora Canada. So we have like 18 inches of shelf space with all of our products there. So this summer is going to be full of like field team events and things like that. And then we are launching a couple of new products this year that I'm really excited about that we've also like worked on with our community. We launched a spot and scars here a month and a half ago now, and it's become like our number two bestseller. So it's really good. I'm going to send it to you and I'm going to send your daughters some stuff as well. Like after this, I'll get your address, but yeah, those are kind of the big focuses. We actually just hired an incredible VP of sales who started this week as well. So I'm really excited about that, but really, yeah, just to keep creating products that don't exist, that our community feels that they need that solve a problem for them. I love this. What has been like the the best part or like the, or like even the hardest, I want to know the hardest part about being a CEO and like the best part about being a CEO. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's such a good question. Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. I would love to hear yours team. It's people. People are the hardest part. It's like my favorite. My answer is the same. People are my favorite part of my job and they're the hardest part of my job. Yeah. Well, but how big is your team now? 300. Wow. Wow. So that is so like amazing for me to hear. Cause I think for me, like the hardest thing, and I guess it goes back to people in a way, but maybe my ability to like delegate, I think I'm still really working on that, like hire and delegate in order to really scale. And I think that's something that like I'm, I'm working on. And that's like difficult when you're used to being the founders that are in the weeds and do everything. And I think that's still something, but we all are right. That's what makes us the founders. We're the one, no one's going to care about your product Mm -hmm. and your company more than you. I will tell you, no one's going to care about it the way that you care about it. And Mm -hmm. so that part of being a founder is like, you've got to have that passion, but as CEO, and this is by, by the way, I have a course launching right now, literally May 16th, it launches and it's from founder to CEO. And it's my six part framework on scaling companies. And a huge part of it is that shift of you have to go from founder to CEO. You have to focus on scalability. So if you love your business this much, you're doing it a disservice by holding on to everything you and you can scale through systems. You can scale through people. You can scale through process, Mm -hmm. but you need all of it. And no one's telling you that you can't get your hands dirty, right? So get your hands dirty where you're most passionate about things that you don't want to let go. It's totally fine for you not to let go, but scaling is a huge piece of it. And it's that, it's that shift that you have to go from founder to CEO and it's, it's, it's exciting. It's like, it's, and there's a lot to learn and you're still going to continue to learn. Yeah. I'm going to definitely check that course out. Cause that's kind of like, I, I have a coach and like, those are the things that I'm focused on right now is like being able to grow in that way and stretch myself. And so that's definitely been the hardest. And I think, you know, during the pandemic and everything, it's so odd because you're onboarding people who you've never even met. And wow. so now it's nice because we're finally meeting them and stuff. So yeah, I love you guys, that. You guys are based out of Canada. We are. Yeah. We have team members in the U S and our warehouse is in the U S as well. And our manufacturers, but our headquarters are in Canada. Amazing. And so just before we close off the episode, I want to do a rapid fire with you here. And it's just a little, get to know you a little better. So are you ready, Taryn? I'm ready. Okay. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. (laughs) Ice or hot? Hot. What about you? Hot, hot coffee all day. Your favorite pizza topping? Ooh, I love mushrooms. I'm obsessed. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Morning routine. Do you have one? I definitely have one. Yeah. 
I walk my dog. Well, first I cuddle with my dog. Then I walk my dog. I do the whole five minute journal thing. Like I love that. And I also read a page of the daily stoic. And then lately I've been doing it's, I do it sometimes. I don't do it every day, but have you ever heard of insight timer? No. I love it because I'm really nerdy, but it has like a daily check-in. So it's like your mood and then why you feel that way. And so you do the check-in and it makes a little chart of like how you feel every day when you wake up. And then it tells you your like positive influences and your negative influences. So I kind of like that because it gives you like some data on like what makes you feel good. And then it has like a meditation for your mood that it recommends and it's free. So I really like that. I don't always do the meditation, but I try that's kind of my more and plus coffee. That's my morning routine. <laughs> I love it. Cause my next question was going to be journal or meditate. And it sounds like journal and it sounds like mm-hmm. we have a lot in common. I'm definitely, and I have to send you our CEO school journal and planner. So I made this because I was so tired of not finding, I need, I need like a one page thing. Like I'm not like a super long journaler. Uh, yeah. and I need a place to get organized for my day. And so that is the CEO school planner. So I'm going to send that to you as well. Cool. Um, I'm a journal journaler and I love the daily stoic. It's on my nightstand as well. Kid you oh not. my God. I love, I can't believe you made a journal and a planner. That's like my dream. I can't wait to check them out. It's so okay. awesome. You already, you already answered the next one. I was going to say dog or cat, but you have a dog and you love to cuddle mm-hmm. with your pup work hard or play hard. My sister and I, this year, our goal was to celebrate more. So I feel like we're more work hard, but I think like we also like, I'm not really a partier, but I feel like I do fun stuff. So I guess it's work hard. I'm a Capricorn. What about you? I'm a Virgo. And I think that Capricorns and Virgos get along really well, but I'm, I'm a work hard and play hard for sure. We do both. We're, I do all the life things and I'm always working hard. Work hard is always first. Okay. Last few red or white wine. Oh, red wine. (laughs) And do you have a word of the year or an affirmation that is like right now flowing for you? That's a good one. I'm just going to steal the word from your last sentence and say flow. Cause something I've been working on is just like not being distracted and getting more into the flow state that I feel like I really had at the beginning of my business when my days weren't so crazy. And it, it feels really good to try to approach things that way and like be more in the moment. Cause I feel like for a while during the pandemic, my days felt so crazy in a way that I was like, I don't want every day to feel like this. I want to feel the flow. And so I think that's my word for this year. I love that for you because I will tell you the bigger your company gets, like the more you feel, you're going to feel like you're tied to your desk. Like it just like the more your team grows. And so it's so important for you to find those pockets of flow and creativity and just feel like just be and enjoy this because it's such a beautiful time in entrepreneurship. Half of it, like people are so fixated on the results, but Mm -hmm. that's not entrepreneurship. It's all about the journey. It truly is the journey and what you're getting to learn along the way and building something and just all of these experiences. And if you're loving the journey, then you're going to hate, you're not going to get to the end result. So focus on the experience and focus on that journey. This has been such a pleasure, Taryn. I am so honored to have you on the show today on the podcast. Where can we find you online and like, give us a little bit about your, like, where, where, where can we like follow you and just be part of the bloom community? Thank you so much, Sanira. This was awesome. So bloom, we are bloom.com B L U M E.com. And we're the same on Instagram, just at bloom. At and bloom. Okay. Yeah. And you can also find us in the States at Alta locations. We're in about 450. And then in this summer, we'll be in like 250 more. So that's probably the best place to find us like on the shelves in the States. 
Amazing. I cannot wait to snap a, like snap a quick picture. Like next time I'm out shopping, I'm going to text it to you because it makes me so, 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 so proud to see diverse founders getting space at these like major retailers. Kudos to you and your sister for building something incredible. And until next week at CEO school. Hey there, if you enjoy this week's episode themes and want to go deeper into concepts on mindset, money, and marketing, download our freebie with the five secrets that helped me scale multiple companies to seven figures and beyond. These are the exact skills that will help you get you to your next level. Find it on CEO School's bio on Instagram, at CEO School. If you loved today's episode, leave us a review. This is how we grow and reach more incredible entrepreneurs like you. Tell us what you loved about the episode and you'll be entered to win one ticket to our Women in Business Conference this September in Orlando. I can't wait to see you.